0: Good morning, everyone. You can be seated here in Anderson. If you're still standing in your auditorium, you may be seated as well. The church I grew up in, we used to say you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. So you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hey, can we give one more time, just a hand for everyone that read the scriptures for us this morning? We don't really need to add any commentary to God's word. God's word does the work for itself, but I'm going to give us uh, some things from that. Uh, If you're a visitor here this morning, it's great to have you. If you've been coming to New Spring for... 35 years. It's great to have you as well. It would be uh, tricky if you could be coming for 35 years because we've only been going for 21 years, but I I realized that as I said it. Hey, if we have another chance to meet yet, my name's Finn and I'm not very good with maths and I'm not very good with American words either, but I'm going to try my best. It's great to be here with you. It's great to be opening God's word together. Uh, I'm going to pray for us one more time and then we're going to jump in to what the scriptures have to say. So would you pray with me? Father, your word, when it unfolds, it brings light. And so this morning, God, would you bring light to dark places all across our auditoriums, all across homes, all across uh, places that people are listening to this or watching online or podcasts. Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you to do this. But more than that, God, we need you. We need you to, to come and invade our realities, to change our minds about things. We need your help We need your presence. We need your life in us. And so, Jesus, this morning, you are the baptizer in the Spirit. And would you send the Holy Spirit to New Spring Church as a gift this morning? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, So, like I said, I'm I'm from the UK. You might be able to pick up on that from the accent. So, uh, back in the UK, there's lots of castles, or castles, castles. But like uh, me and my brothers, and the oldest of five boys. We used to uh, really play games as kids. I'm the oldest of five boys, uh, every mum listening or in the room just suddenly went, oh, your poor mother," which is making some assumptions about how good we were as kids. But they're probably valid. Uh, and me and my brother Theo, particularly, we would play uh, dressing up quite a lot. And we would be knights, uh, and we would we'd have like little castle forts, and we'd play outside, and we'd we'd dress up in castles and as we were doing that, uh, one of the things that we would do is we'd take it in turns to uh, try and take the other person's land. If you've ever been paintballing, sim- simple, uh, similar principle to sort of capture the flag. Anyone ever been paintballing? Yeah, it's not really fun, is it? You play about $65 to really just get hurt. I'm, I'm not really sure about that at all. The rest of you that didn't raise your hands, you're not missing out at all. But me and Theo, would, we would play knights and we would, we would do battles and one of us would be King Arthur and one of us would be the Black Knight and we would, we would play this game together. Uh, and really what we were enacting was this method of warfare called a siege. Now, we're in a spiritual warfare series, and so I thought it would be appropriate to give us a little bit of context about some different types of warfare that have happened throughout human history. Uh, And one of these would be a siege. Now, a siege, if you've not been watching the Discovery Channel or the History Channel during COVID, a siege is where one group of people will get contained within a a particular area, maybe a town or a village or just just a, a piece of land, and the enemy will surround them. And the aim of surrounding them is so that they can't get supplies, namely food and water. Uh, And sieges are useful tactics of war. One, because it conserves uh, the number of troops. You don't have to fight every single day on a siege. Uh, And number two, because you really have just time on your side. If you've got someone hemmed in and and contained within an area, they, they can't go anywhere. So really, you're just waiting for them to get tired. You're waiting for them to run out of supplies. You're waiting for them to give up. Sieges uh, throughout human history have changed dramatically, and they last for a variety of times. Some sieges would last two or three days. Some sieges would last weeks. Some sieges, sieges would last months. The longest siege in human history actually lasted for 26 years. 26 years. Can you imagine not being able to leave your city for 26 years? That was in the tip of northern Africa in a town called Suta. Everybody say Suta. 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 Thank you very much. Souta, Souta is in uh, modern day Morocco, but at the time it was occupied by the Spanish armies, and the Sultan of Morocco sent his generals to go and surround Souta, they attacked the city, they were unable to take it right at the beginning, and so they settled in for what would be the longest siege in human history. 26 years of the army camped around the city, 26 years of the army waiting for the town of Souta to surrender. There's a lot that can happen in 26 years. I'm 32 this, uh, this month, which means I'm the sort of age that multiple times a week, distressingly, my wife will tell me I've got toothpaste somewhere on my face. I don't, I don't think it happened at 30. It definitely happened at 31. I tipped this corner, and now it's like two or three times a week, she'll just be pointing at my face saying there's, there's toothpaste there. That's embarrassing, isn't it? I think it's embarrassing. Everywhere. There's a lot of empathy from men in the room right now. I can, I can feel that. 26 years, a lot can happen in 26 years. In 26 years, people were born and grew up. Some of, them, some of them would have been born, grown up, trained in the army, and actually fought in the battle. All in their life, they would have known was being sieged. All they would have known in their life would being, was being contained within this city. And whilst no doubt it was a horrific experience for the people of Suta, over time, they would have just gotten used to the fact that there's an army camped outside, Maybe the first day that the army came down the hill, they would have been worried, they would have been fearful. But what would have felt anxiety-inducing at first would, after a while, just feel like that's kind of what it is. We're stuck in this city, the enemy's outside, we're just going to be waiting here for 26 years. And, and I've observed something, particularly over the last couple of years, thinking about all that the world has been through. What starts off as very acute and very difficult for us, what starts off as very painful, we can very quickly get used to. We very quickly, are, uh, human beings are incredibly resilient creatures. And so when we experience acute suffering or acute pain, after a while, there's this weird thing that happens where it starts, we start to become apathetic towards it. Like our pain tolerance changes and we just kind of get used to living in this kind of way. What really made us anxious at first, we start to become apathetic towards at the end. And so... We come to our text today and Paul speaks directly to this in Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6 verse 18. He says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Keep alert, Paul says. Keep alert with perseverance. Why do you need to keep alert? Because Paul was sensing that the people of Ephesus had gotten used to the warfare they were in. People had gotten used to this degree of press, this degree of suffering, this degree of containment around them. And so Paul said, I need you to stay alert. I need you to wake up. I need you to pay attention to what's going on around you. And maybe for you across our campuses this morning, at the beginning of the spiritual warfare, you walked in and said, "Yep, great, I'm ready. Give me the tools. Let's do warfare. But six weeks in, it's kind of like, yeah, I heard it. Warfare, great. Suffering's still going on circumstances still not changed maybe even gotten worse and after a while what feels very acute we can become very apathetic towards what feels heightened at the beginning we start to feel at home with and I don't know about you but for me the last couple of years and the last couple of months maybe even the last couple of weeks and days if I can just be honest your giving ups never looked so good Maybe, that, maybe that's not you. Maybe you're having an absolute blast of a summer. But for me, it feels a little bit like, man, I'm just hemmed in here. I've got, I got no way out here. There's this, there's this sin that's camped over there and then there's this, this banner of my past over here and then there's this thing that's coming at me this way and I'm feeling the press. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you feeling the press? Are you feeling the press? Talk to me, Anderson, this morning. Come on. Are you feeling the press? I'm feeling the press. And so Paul, to the people in Ephesus, in the middle of instructing them how to look after spiritual warfare, he says this, you're gonna need to pray in the spirit. Why? Because prayer in the spirit is the way that we persevere in spiritual warfare. Prayer in the spirit is the way that we persevere. It's the way that we keep going. It's the way that we keep rolling. So the question then inevitably is, Finn, what does it mean? to pray in the Spirit. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Well, today we're going to look at three texts. We're going to use Scripture to interpret Scripture. That's a good principle. We want to take the whole of God's Word and not just take one verse and we're going to say, where in the text is it found other places? Where are there words and phrases that the biblical writers use to explain this concept of praying in the Spirit? You ready for some Bible study this morning? Sounds great. Here we go. 9.15, 9.15, rolling with me. Okay, the first piece of scripture we're going to look at is the book of Romans, chapter 8. We've just finished a series in Romans 8. Uh, you can go back and watch that if you can catch up online. All of my notes, by the way, if you're using the New Spring app, all of my notes are preloaded there. If you're taking notes, I'm going to put as many scriptures up on the screen as possible so we can study this together. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says this. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The first thing that we can observe from this text is this. You and I, not very good at praying. You and I, not very good at praying. Now, for some of you, that's not news. For some of you, that's really reassuring because you've sensed it. Like, it's kind of, a, it's kind of a, just a jumble of words. It's very dodgy theology, and you don't really like doing it, and you fall asleep pretty quickly. Again, maybe too honest. For, for... But the good news of the gospel is the good news of Romans 8 is this. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit of God, the helper, Jesus said, is going to come and help you. That means that you and I can be not very good at prayer, but the Spirit of God is going to help us. We're going to bring our jumbled up words. We're going to bring our not very good ideas. We're going to bring our dodgy theology. And the Spirit helps us there. The Spirit helps us there. The second thing we can observe from this is that the Spirit himself is interceding as well. So not only is the Holy Spirit helping you and I in our human effort, but the Spirit of God is Also praying alongside us, interceding alongside Jesus to the Father for you and I, day and night and night and day. Not only is your bad prayer becoming good prayer through the Holy Spirit's help, but the Spirit of God is praying for you as well. Can anyone say amen to that? That feels good news this morning to me. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. That's definitely a part of what it means to pray in the Spirit, the Spirit helping us. The second piece of Scripture I'd love to take us to is the book of Jude. The book of Jude is just before the book of Revelation, if you've got a paper Bible. Jude only has one chapter. And we're going to read just some amazing, um, this, this is some of my favorite scriptures. We're going to start in verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And then a couple of verses down, verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time, now and forever. And the church said, amen. Amen, Amen. that's a good scripture. A couple of observations. They're all good scriptures, but that's a good one. Really good one couple of observations from that we see the same partnership that we saw in Romans 8 Romans 8 you and I not knowing how to pray but the spirit of God helping us in our weakness in the book of Jude you and I uh, Jude writes keep yourselves in the love of God why because God is keeping you God is keeping you he's going to present you before Jesus at the end of your life that's the reason today you woke up still a Christian is because God is keeping you that's good news that's really good news you will wake up a Christian today and you'll wake up a Christian tomorrow why because he is able to keep you that's a word for somebody this morning you're being kept for Jesus you're being kept in the middle of your suffering for Jesus there's this partnership here between you keeping yourself in the love of God and that's not position nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus Romans 8 tells us but keeping yourself in the love of God is the felt experience that God loves you day after day after day. It's an awareness of his pleasure and his joy in your life. It's an awareness of his delight for you. We can notice also in Jude that there is a, a reference to this phrase that Paul talks about in Ephesians 6, praying in the Holy Spirit. You, beloved, he writes in verse 20, building yourself up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit is a way of building yourself up. It's a way of strengthening yourself. It's a way of growing yourself. And again, we see praying in the Spirit is a partnership. It's a partnership between your prayer and the Holy Spirit bringing what he does, helping, empowering, and growing you. The final text I wanna take us to is 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'm gonna take a little sip of water because I got a chunk of scripture to read here. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him but he asks his mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Again, we see this phrase, praying in the Holy Spirit. In verse two, the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to man, but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. There's that phrase. What is that purpose of these mysteries of the Spirit? Well, verse three will tell us that the one who prophesies speaks to people But in verse 4, it says, the one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. That's the same phrase we heard in the book of Jude. We see again this text reinforcing the idea that prayer in the Spirit is to build yourself up. It's for your encouragement. And here it gives a description. It's mysteries to God. It's mysteries to God. So from these texts, we can see the following. Praying in the Spirit, biblically, is prayer That is empowered by the Holy Spirit praying in the Spirit is prayer that's empowered by the Holy Spirit it's the Holy Spirit helping you in your weakness praying alongside you it's the Holy Spirit helping you to build yourself up it's the Holy Spirit giving you the ability to speak mysteries not to man but to God for your encouragement and your edification it's really good news if you're in a press It's really good news if you're surrounded. It's really good news if you're feeling the the inability to keep going. God says, I've got a gift for you. Paul writes, pray in the Spirit at all times so that you can stay alert with perseverance. Praying in the Spirit is prayer empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that doesn't exclusively mean what what the Bible refers to as tongues or praying in tongues. But I think it's inescapable that it includes it. It doesn't exclusively mean that, but it absolutely includes it. Where do we see this gift in Scripture? Where do we see this gift in Scripture? I'm going to walk us just through three expressions of of tongues that we see in the Bible. The first would be this. This would be the sign of tongues. The sign of tongues. This is what happens in Acts 2. The book of Acts chapter 2, the the early church are in a a 10-day prayer meeting. And you need the Holy Spirit's help for a 10-day prayer meeting. So they're in a 10-day prayer meeting and God's presence and power breaks in and everyone starts this fire that comes on their heads and they start speaking. And at this time in Jerusalem, there were multiple different ethnic groups and, and nationalities gathered around and each one starts hearing what the apostles are saying in mysterious language. They start hearing it in their own language. So this person over here hears it in the, the language of Mesopotamia. This one over here hears it in the language of Ethiopia. This one over here hears it in Greek. There's so much to be said about the spirit of God bringing racial unity unity here that the gospel is united when the power of the spirit comes this is actually a reversal you can look this up uh, later on in, G- in genesis chapter 11 genesis chapter 11 mankind is building a tower it's the tower of babel or babel they're trying to build a tower to get to god and god says this isn't the way this is meant to work they all speak one language and so god scatters them and then in act two he's bringing them back together through language It's a reversal of what God does in Genesis 11. That's the first place we see it—the sign of tongues. The second place that we see it is called the gift of tongues. Now, these are my categories that I think are helpful for us as we unpack what these scriptures mean. The gift of tongues. This refers to mysteries, holy language. There are these are the kind of terms that the Bible uses for it, spoken by an individual in a group of believers. And Paul will reference this when he references spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. He's going to say that for everyone that's given this spiritual gift, and this person receives the gift of tongues, and then immediately afterwards he's going to say that the other person will receive the interpretation of tongues. Why? This is because it's for building up of the congregation. And he ties it, we see in 1 Corinthians 14, to prophecy. That just like prophecy is for encouragement, edification, and upbuilding, Paul says, this gift, when someone speaks in an unknown tongue, needs an interpretation so that you and I can be encouraged, so that we can be built up, so that we can understand what's going on. It's no good if someone just speaks in a tongue and then we all kind of look around awkwardly. We need an encouragement. We need an edification. And uh, Paul says that God's going to give interpretation, supernatural interpretation, to this. That's the gift of tongues. And then there's a third expression of this gift that I think we see in the Scriptures. And it's what the Bible talks about as praying in the Spirit. Or a prayer language, if you're familiar with that that usage. And this refers to this gift, as we just read in 1 Corinthians 14, as mysteries spoken to God in the Holy Spirit. This isn't 1 Corinthians 14 for building up the church. This is for building up yourself. That's what Jude said praying in the Holy Spirit, building yourself up in the most holy faith. Paul says that this gift is given to believers, not those who are supernaturally uh, powerful, not those who are extremely gifted, not those who've got everything right, not some level of graduation. You don't need to build yourself up if you're not broken. You don't need strength unless you're weak. And this is a gift that God gives his people so that they might know him and so that they might be built up because they're falling apart, that they might be strengthened because they feel weak. A testimony moment for you. For about 20 years, I've experienced the power of this gift in my own life. And I have found, other than the scriptures, nothing has been more helpful, beneficial, sustaining for me than praying in the spirit every single day, both in English and understandable language and in mysteries in my prayer language. And I just wanna encourage us this morning as a church that when God has stuff on offer for us, we test it with the words of scripture and we test it against his character and doesn't it sound like a good God to give a gift to you Amen. when you're struggling? Amen. And so I wanna to speak to just particularly two categories of people here. One is if you have prayed for this to happen, you've seen the scriptures, you, you believe this, and you just feel a little bit disappointed because it hasn't happened yet. I just want to pastorally encourage you. Just ask again. Just ask one more time. And I, and I know for, for many people that haven't received this, you might feel like, okay, well, I don't want to fake it. I don't want to mess around with it. So God's going to give this gift to me. I have never yet seen the angel Gabriel appear, grab someone's tongue and move it up and down really fast. I've I've never seen that happen. Praying in the spirit is a partnership. And so maybe as you're driving home, if you're in the car, maybe in the shower tomorrow morning, probably not in the restaurant today, but if you've got a moment and you just think, God, is this for me? I want to encourage you just to to open your mouth and just start to try. You might want to sing a song that you love. You might want to say the name Jesus a few times. Just believing in your heart that maybe God, this is on offer for me today. And the second group of people I want to speak to is those of you that have received this gift and you're a little bit embarrassed and a little bit nervous about it. I just want to encourage you. It's okay. And I want to really, really press you that you need to grow and strengthen this gift. God's given it to you for a reason. It's for you to build yourself up. It's to strengthen yourself. It's to step into a place of spiritual authority with it. So I'm just gonna take a moment and just pray that God would do this for all of us across all of our locations, across all of the homes, all the people that are watching this. So would you just take a moment with me and just ask God to give what I think the scriptures say he wants to give to us today the ability to build yourself up, the ability to pray in the spirit. So let's just pray together. Jesus, I don't give this gift, you do. So give gifts to your church. God, there are people that may even be too embarrassed to admit that they would really, really love to step into this. God, there are people who you've given this gift to and they've allowed it to become dormant. God, there are people who are not sure about this. That's okay too. But, Holy Spirit, across every location today, I pray for a fresh filling of your church. We need your power and your presence and your reality more than ever before. So, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. From the very tip of this state to the very top, every single heart that's open, God, you respond to hunger. And, God, we bring our hunger for more of you, more of your presence more of what you do, in Jesus' name, amen. The reason that I'm so passionate about this is because here at this church, we want everyone to step into an everyday relationship with Jesus. Not just living with Sunday morning, so Sunday morning Christianity, but every single day empowered by the Holy Spirit. And an everyday relationship with Jesus is a lifestyle of Spirit-empowered prayer whether you're using the gift of praying in the spirit or not, an everyday relationship with Jesus, it needs a prayer life in it. It needs the spirit of God helping you day after day, not Sunday to Sunday, but Tuesday and Thursday as well. The reason, the reason that spirit empowered prayer is such a key part of an everyday relationship with Jesus, it's because it was the, it's the life that Jesus himself lived. Jesus lived a life of power and great authority. And that power, that great authority, it came from his devotional world. In Luke chapter 4, it says this, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. After defeating the devil, he returns in the power of the Spirit. Luke chapter 6, 12 and 13, At that time, Jesus went on a mountain to pray. He spent the whole night in prayer. You need the Holy Spirit to help you for a whole night in prayer. When it was day, he called his disciples. He chose 12 of them, and he named them as apostles. At the time that Jesus walked on the earth, there were really just two ways of power working. Rome was a military force. They used hard power to get what they want. If they didn't like you, they crucified you. If you said no to a Roman soldier, they stabbed you. The Pharisees at the time were masters of a more cunning, manipulative type of power, soft power. They created systems that made people complicit in things that they had no business getting into. And Jesus sees these two categories, hard power and soft power, and he says, I'm gonna walk in spiritual authority. And that that spiritual authority came from the life of prayer that he lived. Spiritual authority, New Spring Church, as we're in a spiritual warfare series, is inevitable for us as we commit to becoming men and women of prayer. Spiritual authority is inevitable for you and I as we commit to becoming spiritual, uh, as, we become, as we commit to becoming men and women of prayer. Would you stand with me? Across every location. Pray in the spirit at all times, Paul says. Keep alert, be awake, watch. With all perseverance, making supplication for the saints. I want to take us back right where we began at the city of Suta. There was a reason that the city lasted 26 years. There's a reason why it was the longest siege in human history. You see, the army of Morocco camped around it, but they'd forgotten and misunderestimated one thing. And this map will show you. This city was built on water, and so year after year, while the army was hoping their their supply would get cut off, the city just kept pulling water up from the foundations, and this morning you may feel that there's an army camped around you, and there's a press, and there's a struggle, I'm telling you this morning, just like that city, you've got supply. You've got supply. Turn to your neighbor and say, I've got supply. Turn to your neighbor and say, I've got supply. You see, Jesus said in John 7 that if anyone thirsts, He should come to me for out of his belly, out of his heart, out of her inward being would flow rivers of living water. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. You and I that we feel pressed, that we feel contained, that we feel besieged, that we feel surrounded are not cut off because you've got a supply, in New Spring Church. You've got the Spirit of God within you. And if you would simply step into a life of prayer, if you would step into the empowerment that the Spirit of God has for you, you would realize you've got a supply. You've got the Spirit of God ready to help you at any single moment. Greater is in you than he who is in the world. There is a river, the Psalmist wrote, whose streams make glad the city of God. God's in the midst of it; she will not be moved. So this morning you've got supply. And this morning, if you came into our campuses feeling tired and feeling broken and feeling pressed, I've got good news for you. The Spirit of God this morning wants to help you, wants to encourage you, wants to bless you, wants to give you the ability to keep going, wants to help you stay the course, wants to keep you going the distance. The Spirit of the living God is within you. New Spring Church, you've got a supply. You've got a supply. So would you lift your hands across every location? If you want more of what God's got for you right now, there's nothing special about the words that I'm gonna pray, but I'm asking that God right now would give his spirit in fresh measure to hungry hearts. Father, thank you. We receive the spirit of Jesus right now. God, every single heart that's hungry, every single heart that's thirsty, every single person that feels pressed, discouraged, like there's banners of their past, like there's arrows of shame and guilt coming at them. God, we recognize this morning the spirit of the living God is within us and we've got a supply. We've got a never-ending river of your spirit flowing within us and God, we just ask for more this morning. We ask for more. I ask for more, God, in this church right now. God, we don't want to play church. God, we want to be people, men and women women of authority that step into the things of your spirit that you've got for us and so Father from Myrtle Beach to Columbia to Anderson to Lake Wiley God would you pour out your spirit on New Spring Church this morning in a fresh way would you give us God what we cannot manufacture which is power through the Holy Spirit would you teach this church to pray Lord God would you help us God I pray for a gift of faith to be poured out across every location. God, I pray for families that are suffering right now, that feel like there's no way to keep going. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would strengthen and you would empower and you would give the gift of praying in the spirit so that the people of God might be built up this morning. God, we love you. We love you, we're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for what you're doing in this church. God, we receive this morning the Spirit of the living God. In Jesus' name, amen.